So welcome to our second week of a preaching series called Forgive. And um, this week, what we're going to do is uh, talk about the story of forgiveness. Um, it's on this book that, that you saw Mark and, and DJ showing at the beginning in the announcements called Forgive by Timothy Keller. Um, if you want to just read a really good book and follow along during the summer, you can do that. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, it's a good book. Do you know what I do? I actually have it in Audible, so I listen to it, and I have it in hard copy, so I listen and I read at the same time, because I have a hard time staying awake when I just read. So anyway, it's great, and, uh, and I love it. So today it is the story of forgiveness, and in this gospel lesson that we've just heard Amy read, um, Jesus shows us how acts of forgiveness can go very, very right and how they can go oh so very wrong. Forgiveness has the power to transform when it is allowed to have the effect that God intends for his people. But it can go so very wrong when we abuse the opportunity that we have to heal and grow from forgiveness. So this all begins with Peter asking Jesus a question. He asks about forgiveness. You see, Jesus had recently taught them the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, you hear the words, forgive us as we forgive others. And the disciples discover that forgiveness, our forgiveness, and God's forgiveness are interdependent of each other. Not independent, but interdependent. So Peter asks the question, what are the limits of forgiveness? And this is what it says. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And there are certain translations that say 70 times 77. Jesus talking here in hyperbole. He doesn't mean that we should keep count. You see, the, the Jewish Talmud that the rabbi studied and that they taught from said that a person should forgive someone three times. Three was enough. And Peter thinks he's being very generous when he says, shall I forgive seven times? That's more than twice as much. But Jesus gives him the answer that I'm sure set Peter way back on his feet. 77 times. And as I said, we're not counting here. Jesus isn't saying you have to count to 77 and then you're okay. What's happening is there is no limit to God's forgiveness. And Jesus is saying that there's no limit to our forgiveness. And if we're still counting, then we're not really forgiving. So Jesus tells a story about a king and a servant. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I just want to tell you here that Timothy Keller's math is not great. He is a great theologian, but he's not good at arithmetic. Um, he said that, oh, here, there, that one talent would equal a year's wage. And so... Uh, if we had a person who earned $40,000, it would be $400 billion, but it's not. It's $400 million. But that's what it would be like in our, if it was one year's wage. But actually, I looked in other sources, and they said a talent was equal to 20 years' wages. 
So it would be 20 times 400 million in this day and age. So it is a lot of money. That's the whole point. It's a lot of money. It is unreachable for this guy to be forgiven. So here's what happens. The servant owes this unbelievable, immeasurable amount that he can't possibly pay back. It says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment was to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. He couldn't. But out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. He and his whole family were to be sold into slavery forever. Obviously, he could never handle this repayment, even though he says he will. The king, out of pity, releases him from the whole debt. Now, with this kind of money at stake... It's very possible that he was some kind of governor in the kingdom or, or had run some part of the government because losing this much money, the kingdom could easily fall to pieces. That's a lot of money. But the king is taking on the debt himself. It's a loss for him and for the kingdom. Here and always, we want to be reminded that Forgiving becomes a form for the forgiver of voluntary suffering. Rather than retaliating and insisting on justice, one makes the decision to bear the cost. And this is what the king does. But wait, there's more. But when that same servant went out, he's now freed from the debt. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him. He began to choke him and saying... Pay what you owe. <gasps> Just a little bit more arithmetic here. A denarii is worth a day's wage. That we know. So he owed 100 denarii. He, ordered, he owed one-third of a year's wages, which is a pittance, a pittance, compared to what this guy had owed. But he takes him by the neck and he says, pay me what you owe me. Now the scene that we have just seen with the king and the servant happens again. And there is a plea for mercy. But there's a very different outcome. It says, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. One thing, be careful how you treat other people because someone is always watching. Then what happens is the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked, wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, the master delivered him to his jailers until he could pay all his debt. And we know that was never going to happen. He had been freed. He had total freedom for the rest of his life. But he lost it. 
because he couldn't have the same mercy as the king had had. Because he was unforgiving to another person. Jesus ends the story with these words. <clears throat> Whoops, let's go one more. Well, here he ends the story with these words. I guess I don't have it up there. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This story is not about a king and it's not about a servant. It's about God and it's about us. We owe God the king an immeasurable, infinite debt. He has given us life. He gives us what we need every day for our daily bread, for our daily needs. He gives us the breath of life from his spirit. We owe him our whole life and in the depth of his great love, he gave the life of his only son for the debt of our sin. And we receive his great mercies every day. Listen to these words from Psalm 145. The psalmist says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all he has made. His mercy covers all of creation, and yet... The way we treat one another falls so short of God's great mercy and love shown to us. So let's talk about what we learn from this story about God's forgiveness and our own forgiveness, shall we? Here we have the difficulty of forgiveness. It says that our debt to God is just too large to make up. And God's forgiveness can never be earned. And finally, God's forgiveness will have to be absolutely free. This is what makes forgiveness difficult. We can't do anything to make up the debt. We can't bargain like the servant and the other man tried to do. It will mean nothing. We can say, God, I'm turning back to you. I promise I'll be in church every Sunday. I'll put an extra $10 in the offering plate. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll help with kids. Yeah, I'll do feed my starving children. Yes, I'll be good to my neighbor. God, I promise that I promise I will, I will. Please forgive me. I can, I'll do this. None of that pleading does us any good. Just like the servant, our debt is immeasurable. It's infinite. And it's not just difficult for us to forgive. It's also a difficult thing for God. You see, the costliness for him was absolutely unfathomable. He gave up the life of his son. So what is forgiveness? Let's talk about it. It says, these are the steps of forgiveness. The king brought the man to himself. Here's what happened. The debt was named, and that's important. When we forgive, the sin must be named. What has been done against you? What have you done against someone else? Forgiveness starts with truth-telling and honesty in both directions. Next, he took pity on the man. Here we have to come and understand the situation of the other person. Where are they at in their life? What is going on in their life? Realizing that they, like us, are a sinner in need of forgiveness. Do the work of seeing that person's vulnerability. It's not easy. 
But I want you to think about how God looks on you when he forgives you. This is how we need to look on others. Take pity on their sinfulness. And then he forgave the debt. Again, when we forgive a debt, a sin, we're taking the weight of that onto ourselves. And that's hard. It means that when you feel like you want to make someone suffer, instead you refuse to do that. And you forgive them. As we begin to forgive, we also begin to feel forgiveness ourselves. And then the king released him. In releasing the servant, the relationship was restored. There was reconciliation. He is no longer a debtor. He is a free citizen of the kingdom. And you might ask, is this really, is justice being served here? Shouldn't there be justice? But yes, there should be justice, but if we only continually ask for justice all too often, we are not forgiving, and we are looking instead for revenge. So you have to release the person, release the sin. So here's how we forgive. We name the sin truthfully to that person, to ourselves. We identify the other person as a fellow sinner. We release them from whatever their wrong has been to us. And finally, we work toward restoration and reconciliation as we release them. Now let's look at the dimensions of forgiveness. This is very important. This is how it happens. First of all, we have the vertical dimension. It is upward. Human forgiveness is always based on the experience of knowing God's forgiveness. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first forgave us. It's vertical. Forgiveness begins this way, between you and God, between me and God. Secondly, it is horizontal. It is outward. When I find out that I have been forgiven... I return that forgiveness to others because of what God has done for me. And there is a horizontal movement of forgiveness. If we truly believe in forgiveness and repent, we are naturally moved to that vertical realm of forgiveness, forgiving each other. And I've always, I've always heard this, and not a lot of people say it, but every time I hear about the horizontal and the vertical, I always see the cross of Christ, the horizontal and the vertical. And all forgiveness happens because of the cross of Christ. And then it's internal. It's inward. Our forgiveness must be real and come not out of obligation because I got to do it. You know, when mom says, go say you're sorry. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not out of obligation but it's from our transformed, forgiven hearts that we forgive. God's forgiveness changes me. It frees me to love and forgive others as I have been forgiven. If our hearts are not this way, if we are not experiencing the inward nature of forgiveness, we are not understanding forgiveness given to us freely from God at all. Now, Let's talk about our failure with forgiveness. How does our failure with forgiveness happen? 
It happens when we are not changed. That's what happened to the servant. He wasn't changed. Nothing happened to him inwardly. And he didn't go out vertically. He only got this from God and then he stopped. When we are unchanged from the forgiveness God gives us, we continue to carry out the grudge. We, we still say, I can't forgive. I will never forgive. We are like the servant demanding more from others because they have wronged us. And the main reason we fail to forgive is that human sin frustrates our ability to forgive. We are sinful beings, and it happens day after day. And God continues to forgive day after day, more than 70 times 7. He does this in the hope that we will take hold of his forgiving mercy and let his mercy roll down on others as it rolls down on us. I love this from Timothy Keller. He says, God's mercy must and will make us merciful. If it doesn't, then we never understood or accepted God's mercy in truth. In John, excuse me, in Luke 6, Jesus says these words, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. That's what should happen to us when we are forgiven. Now, at the close of Jesus' story, the servant is thrown into prison. Now, this seems harsh. And he says the same's gonna happen to those who do not forgive, right? We say, wait a minute, is God gonna throw me into prison? But the truth is, no. We throw ourselves into a prison. We do. When we refuse to forgive, we are imprisoning ourselves in our own need for revenge, in our own need for getting even, in our anger and even in our hatred, in our inability to love and forgive. We imprison ourselves. We have looked, my friends, at the difficulty of sin, at the definition, at the dimension of forgiveness, excuse me. And we have to ask, what is it that allows God to forgive us so radically that all this happens? Well, the atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's your answer. The atoning death of Jesus on the cross. He took our debt of sin and he carried it to the cross. Literally, literally, as he carried the cross. And there he died with it. He suffered for us. The debt caused him to suffer, just like we said it would. By his wounds we are healed and forgiven. He is the king who became the servant. Because of him we can know total forgiveness for all our sins. And I want you to hear that today. Pastor DJ, make sure you hear it at the end of every one of his sermons, and I want you to hear it today. You are forgiven by God. You have the total forgiveness of all your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. We can know that forgiveness. We can know the tender mercies every day. There is no limit to God's forgiveness and mercy. That's what Jesus is telling us today in this story. Finally, I love these closing words from Timothy Keller. He says, the judge of all the earth was judged. He was punished for us. He took the punishment we deserve. This humbles us out of our bitterness because we know we are sinners living only by sheer mercy. 
but it also exalts us out of our bitterness because we can say, I have been justified and adopted in Jesus Christ. You have harmed me, and I will confront you about it, but you can't take away my real goods and my deepest joys, and then, my friends, you can forgive. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, today we give you thanks that you are the one who first loves and that you are the one who first forgives. Help us, Lord, to accept your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to take that forgiveness and live in it and put it in our hearts and then offer it to those around us, to the people of this world. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and the great forgiveness that we have in him through your great mercy. In his name I pray, amen.